Hey, this is Pastor Devin. Thanks so much for joining us. I pray that this message is an encouragement to your life today. Well, I have a word for you today. Who's ready for a word? Amen. Before we get started, I do want to go ahead and give a shout out to Riverbend, D. Berry, the Tennessee Prison for Women. We love you guys. We love you tremendously. And you're welcome here at Connect Church. Well, if you have your Bible with you, if you could turn with me to Exodus chapter 13, and we'll be reading verse 17 uh, all the way to 22, and then we'll just jump into what God has for us. You there? The second book of the Bible, verse uh, verses 17, it's page 57, if anybody's got the same. Just trying to help you out, just trying to help you out. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt armed for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear an oath. He said to them, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry up my bones up for you from this place. After leaving Sakoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night, a pillar of fire to give them light so they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day or pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to hear from you, Father God. We ask that you open up our ears, our eyes, our hearts. Let us be receptive for what you're doing in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. The title of my message today is Preparation to Destination. If you haven't read the book of Exodus, shame on you. No, I'm kidding. It's the second book of the Bible, and it's an incredible story about God delivering the children of Israel. They were in slavery for over 400 years. God comes through, and he he rises up Moses, and he becomes a deliverer, and he takes his people out of Egypt into the promised land. But before that, they go through a bunch of different miracle signs and wonders. God is turning the, the river into blood. There's locusts and frogs. And finally, what he does is he kills the firstborn. Of e- uh, in Egypt, and then they're like, that's it. You guys have to go. And every firstborn dies that's not an Israelite. Now, why is this important for us to understand? Because this is a shadow and a type of what we experience as believers today, that we were at a place where we were in oppression. We were in sin. Oh, there's only two people in here that sinned before. Okay. Let me go to a different church then. We were lost in sin, right? We were oppressed by sin. Then a deliverer came whose name is, right? And then he set us free. And his ultimate will is not just for us to go to a place. Heaven is not the end all be all. That's not the destination. The destination is him. God's ultimate goal is to usher us into a relationship with him. But in order for him to do that, There's a preparation that has to happen. And the first thing that has to happen is that we have to have a prepared mind. In verse 17, we can see what God decided to do with them. That Pharaoh, he led led the people, and God did not lead them through the road of the Philistine country, though that was shorter. God said if they face war, they may change their minds. God knows what we can and cannot handle. Okay? 
he understands that there are some things that we are not going to be able to do on our own. It reminds me of the old, the old hymn or the old song that we used to sing where I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. So the decision to follow Jesus, yes, your salvation is secured the moment that you decide to follow Jesus, but do you know you have to keep deciding to follow Jesus? If you've been saved longer than five minutes, you know you've had an opportunity not to follow Jesus. There's some things that come in your life, you're like, Jesus, I don't know about this, but we have to decide to follow Jesus. It's like the, it's like, it's like the marital covenant. Like you say, I do at the altar. Okay, y'all didn't say I do. You just, you just gave each other what's up. Like, will you marry her? You're like, yeah, we're good, we're good. You, you said I do, and that person says I do as well, right? And happy times and newlywed times come, and then kids come. <laughs> For the newlyweds, that's okay, it's okay, it's okay. The kids come, things change, right? But you continue to pursue that person. And then my wife and I will be celebrating 13 years next month. Thank you, and... Every year, I ask her, are you renewing my contract this year? Hey, I get one more year with this woman. Do this every year because I want to make sure that she understands, that we make sure that we are understanding that we're choosing each other as an act of our will, that we're in this thing together. That's the same thing with your relationship with God. You have to continue to keep deciding to follow Jesus. Now, here's something that I I absolutely love uh, what our pastor shares with us. He says that you can take the person out of Egypt, but Egypt can still be in them. And here's the thing that I kind of wrestled with this is that why would a person want to turn back to Egypt? Why in the world they would see see all of these miracle signs and wonders that God has done, and they think to themselves, oh, I'm not sure if this is for me, right? It is because an unprepared mind will always see sin as a viable option. The mind that does not belong to Christ will always look for opportunities to to, to make up the best path and the best way for themselves. An unprepared mind says to itself, God, it's okay. I got this. Unprepared mind says, God, I see what you're doing, but can, can, I, can I offer you some advice, Lord? I mean, I know you're the God of everything and you created everything, but I've got some earth experience down here. From what I've seen with my friends and with my family and what Google says, I've looked at all that and I believe this is the right way. Don't act like you're not the only one that you got a problem. Case in point, you have a cough. You go to WebMD. It says you're going to die in two days. Am I the only one that does it? Like, my back is hurting. They'd be like, oh, you got scoliosis. I'm like, man, why do I go to WebMD? You got to stop doing that, people. But the unprepared mind will always seek options outside of God. And God knew that their minds weren't prepared as of yet, so he took them a different route. This is what they said. This is so funny. In Exodus chapter 14 and 12, they said this to to Moses. Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. That is ludicrous. They were in the, listen, they were in Egypt. They were getting beaten. Pharaoh increased the quota and took away what they needed to do to make the bricks. 
They were getting beaten. They weren't eating no steak and lobster out there. They barely were eating. They're saying, but Moses, you should, you should have left us in the desert to die. Why does that happen? And it happens to us sometimes. It's because sometimes we forget truly how bad life was. Sin has a way of, di- of distorting our minds into thinking that slavery is actually better than freedom. How do we know this? Because you ever been around some folks? They be like, man, boy, I, me and the ladies, boy, let me tell you, before I got married, me and the ladies, or, man, I used to drink everybody up under the table. And, you know, we have all these things that we talk about in the past as if the past was so good that you, you, remind your, you remember yourself waking up all alone because that young man or that young woman took away something very precious to you. Or you're waking up and you're having the hangovers and not feeling great, or you're dealing with depression and loneliness as if it was so great. This is why God didn't want them to look back to Egypt because Egypt cannot save you. I love, love what James says. James chapter one, starting in verse five. We have it up here. Excellent. So if any of you lacks wisdom, say, that's me. Say, that's me. Okay. All right. Just making sure he should ask for God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him or her. But when he asks, He must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. Go back for me real quick. This is where we have a problem. That we want to receive from God, but we keep going back and forth at who we believe he is. We keep saying, God, I need this. God, I need you. God, do this for me. God, do this for me. And when it doesn't happen in our, in our perceived time, what do we do? We go try to fix it ourselves. But what does the next verse say? He's going to give you what you want right here. You're a double-minded person, unstable in all he does. So where you find instability, there's inconsistency. That means that you have, you have put in your mind that either God cannot or will not fix the situation. And the problem is, is that it leaks all the way through your life. It'll, have, it'll show up at your job. It'll show up in how you rear your kids. It'll show up on Highway 40 in the morning. Come on now. Listen, Highway 40 was designed for y'all salvation. Let me tell you. Come on, somebody. And 440 right now, if you got travel on that thing right now, come on. I about lost it the other day. I said, God, help me. Instability in your life can be attributed to allowing your minds to go away from God and to completely serve Jesus. What happens next? God prepares a path for us. God, I love this. So, so it says that God decided to take them different. He's although it was shorter. The direct route was shorter. I mean, if you had a map and looked at it, you would see that the, that the route was direct. It shouldn't have taken a couple more than a couple of days. But God decided to take them a different route. Why? Because that path was shorter, but it led them towards the bloodthirsty Philistines. Now, here is where we come in. There's some place we want to go that we believe God is leading us to, and we get a little anxious, and we say, well, God, I can see where you're leading. God, I can almost taste it. It's so, it's so close, God. God, if I, could just, if I could just get there, God, will you open that door? And God says, no, because there's Philistines there. You are not prepared to fight them. 
You may think you are, but you still have a slave mentality, and I want you to get there, but if I did that, I wouldn't be God. I'd be irresponsible, and I'd be a bad father. We ought to be thankful when God closes a door because we don't know what's on the other side of that door. I don't know about you, but I try to rush and push things together and get on the other side of that door. Be like, oh, my bad. Back up. Close that door. Lord, what you want me to do now, Jesus? Right? But what God has done is what he does is that he shows us that there is a prepared path that we need to take. God knows where we're supposed to go. We should never complain about not being as far as we think we should be. Many of us say, man, I should be further in my career. Yeah, but do you know what that cost would have been? You may have lost your health or even your family, right? Oh, God, I should be further in the relationship. Maybe that person is not for you. Bad relationships can derail a life really bad. And all the folks that have been in one is like, amen. Now, don't be praying that that person disappears, okay? As a matter of fact, somebody disappears, don't blame it on me. But the Philistines were designed for war, and they were not because they still had a slave mentality. And so what does God do? He leads them by the Red Sea. Now, if you've read this, the passage, if you read Exodus, you'll realize that God leads them to the Red Sea for a particular reason. If he would have taken, him by, taken them by the Philistines, they would have been in war, and they could have won, they could have lost, and maybe they would have thought some of that would have attributed to their strength. But God decided to lead them by the Red Sea. And what do we know about the Red Sea? Moses goes up, splits the Red Sea. The Israelites begin to walk across on dry land. And then the water collapses and kills all of their enemies so they don't have to worry about their enemies anymore. And that all belongs to God. Let me ask you this. Do you know how hard it is to split water? I was trying to do that earlier in the back. Right? We had some water in the back with Mike. And I was like, split, right? And nothing happened. Nothing happened. So we know that this was a miracle and all of the glory and the honor belonged to God. And I'm telling you, God has a prepared path, but it's not for you to get the glory. It's for him to get the glory. And he will get the glory. See, God's prepared path is marked by miracles, but it is opened by obedience. I love Jeremiah 29.1, for I know the plans I have for you. Who knows the plan? God knows the plan. Stop trying to make up the plan. Okay? I'm not saying be all willy-nilly and, and be that person that wake up in the morning and say, Lord, what should I wear today? Please, please don't be that person. I know people like that, but that's a nice shirt. The Lord told me to wear this shirt. Don't be that person, okay? Pick out your own daggum clothes, okay? He gave you a mind for a reason. I know the plans I have for you, the plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope in a future. You don't know the plans, but know that the plans he does have are good for you. It may not look great now. It may seem like it's a delay, but trust me, you're not, excuse me, you ain't ready for the Philistines. So where God is leading you, you don't need to be complaining because you really don't know what he's saving you from. But he does have a plan. You have to be willing to take the perceived detour he's taking because he's doing it for a reason. And God is not only prepared, has not only prepared for us, but this prepares us as well. This, this journey that we all are on, it prepares us for what God has for us. The hills and valleys were designed to give us thicker skin, okay? 
listen, we listen, you're not gonna make it through this thing called Christianity with thin skin. You just not. There are so many people I talk to, they didn't get the promotion. Oh, God is not, I guess God's not good because I didn't get the job. No, no, that's not nothing at all. Well, that relationship didn't work. Well, everybody told you not to be with that person, but you decided to be with them as well. Anyway, has nothing to do with God. We have to understand that God is teaching us to be dependent on him and not our knowledge. That's our Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, one of my favorite verses. Trust in the Lord with some of your heart. All of your heart, lean not to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him. We have to wake up and be ready to say, all right, God, what you got planned for me? What are we doing today, God? How can I serve you, God? What do you want to accomplish down here in earth that will yield dividends in heaven, God? What do you, how do you want to use this life to make an impact for the kingdom down here? God, I am all about your path. How many people know who Rand McNally is? Come on. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. For the young people, Rand McNally is a company that produced these ancient documents called maps. And within these maps were roads and rivers and such, and even the topography of the land that would let people know where to go when they were seeking to go on a destination. And you're like, well, we got GPS. We ain't always had GPS. New school thing. And I remember as a kid, my father would allow me to navigate with him. So he said, come sit up in the front. He bust open his Rand McNally map, and he said, all right, this is where we're going. How are we going to get there? I'm like, well, Dad, you should take this route, and then we can go this route, and then we can get there. He'd be like, that's right. But he already knew the way. If you're waiting for a 10-year-old to tell you the right way to go, you're not very smart. So he, so he would show me uh, how to look at the map and how to understand the map. And, and, I, and, I, and I was so grateful that he taught me that. Now, check this out. This is a revelation that I got. This is going to blow your mind, okay? When God revealed this to me, I was like, oh, shoes just flew off. It just knocked me off my feet, right? It's 2019, right? In your car right now, on the side, there's a little storage place. You know what that's called? A map pocket. Hey! Look at that. We still put them in cars and nobody's using maps anymore. You just put your empty water bottles over there. That's all that. They ought to change that. Come on. You ought to call it an empty bottle holder, right? It ain't map pockets no more. But what I've learned from that is that, you know, and I don't know. I'm still kind of skeptical on GPS, too. I'm just old school. I, I done been led astray so, so many times because I, I put street instead of avenue. Boulevard instead of circle, right? You end up at a place that's 20 miles across the street. You're like, how did I get over here? Because you didn't really read the address all that well, right? So I almost have a low-key suspicion against GPS. But here's the thing. As great as maps are, and having that physical map, and you being able to chart out where you want to go, it doesn't give you the updates in what you need. It's not going to be able to tell you if there's traffic. It's not going to be able to tell you if there's a pothole in 300 feet, right? You can choose to listen to it or bust up the front end of your car. It's up to you. I am, I am going to be a person. I've decided to be a person that I want to live by the updated word. I don't want to be a person that charts out my own destiny because if I do that, it all falls on me. But if I allow God to lead me and to order my steps, it falls on him. 
So I'm like, oh, God, help me not to get too smart, God. Help me just to step back and say, God, whatever you want to do, I'm on board. I don't want to be that individual. God, I want to follow after you. Now, this is what I absolutely love. In verse, in verse 19, we see something very peculiar. Anytime you see something peculiar in the Bible, you've got to kind of dig a little bit deeper. And here we see that there was a promise that, 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 that Israelites had to make to Joseph. And in verse 19, it says, Moses took the bones of Joseph with them because Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear an oath. He had said, God will surely come to you in your aid, and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. If there's anything that is peculiar, it is the idea and the thoughts and the theology of the early ancient Hebrews. Right now, we're all sophisticated. We're like, well, Jesus is going to come in the sky, and we'll all be in heaven, and we'll have a big party, and this and that and the other. Well, that really wasn't the case back then. They actually believed in a place called Sheol, and what that was is just a place of just nothingness. You just waited for the Messiah to come. And so what 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 was going on here was that Joseph wanted to ensure that he was going to be eligible for the resurrection. So let me give you some ideas on what they would believe. The first thing that they would believe is that you would get dressed in your best clothes. When you would die, you got to put on the best thing you got. I mean, casket sharp. Y'all know what that is, right? Yeah. Stacey Adams all shined up. Come on. Right? Laying in that grave. And they believe that because it's your resurrection. They believe that you're going to meet Jesus in the same clothes. Makes no sense at all. Because if you've been dead more than 15 minutes, them clothes is not going to look good in five years. It's not going to look good in 50 years. It's not going to look good in 100 years. And two, it's going to be out of fashion. I ain't trying to meet Jesus in no bell bottoms and butterfly collar. I ain't trying to meet him in some cross colors or fubu. I'm trying to meet Jesus the way I want to meet Jesus. Who wants to show up? Be like, I'm sorry, Lord, this is so not me. I, I would have put on something different, but I didn't dress myself. I was dead, Jesus. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not sure. But that was one of the things they believed. They also believed that when a person got buried, if they were actually in the ground, that the Messiah would dig tunnels back to Jerusalem. And so your body would be through the earth and then pop up out the ground and be like, hey, I'm here, everybody. Right? That would be horrifying. People just popping up everywhere be like, whoa, nice shirt. Right? So, so these are things. And, and then there was another thing that, that I really felt sorry when I discovered this. I really did. Is that they believe, um, or a section of them believe that if you died outside of Jerusalem, that you may not be eligible for resurrection. And I was like, how sad is that? I'm so glad we serve a Savior that it doesn't matter where I am. He's got enough power to come get me there. When he shows up, anybody who believes in him will be raised to life. And I don't have to die in fear thinking I'm just going to be in some limbo place until he comes and get me. That when my eyes close down here, they'll open and I'll see him. Now, if there is ever a fear that the Jews had, it's this. That they never wanted to be buried alone. This is why when they had caves, that they, would, that they would have these caves and whole families would be in there because they did believe when they got resurrected, they could be around their family. 
And so Joseph is saying, don't leave my bones. If you guys are going to the promised land, don't leave me here by myself. I don't want to come back and not see my family. I don't want to come back and not see the Messiah. Take me with you. And he makes them swear an oath. And so as the children of Israelites are getting ready to leave, Moses is like, all right, we got to go. Pharaoh was kicking us out. God had killed all the firstborn babies. Everybody's mad. Somebody's happy because they're not playing child support no more. But some people are upset. These are jokes, people. These are jokes, people. <laughs> and everybody is trying to get out of the city, right? And Moses is saying, where are the bones? Where are the bones? Well, I know you got your Gucci slippers on. I know you're wearing your Versace and you wear to get, leave the city. But I need those bones. It's like, Moses, why do you need the bones? Because those bones represent a promise. And that promise is that God would be our aid. See, I don't know what we're facing out there. I don't know what that road is going to look like. But I do know that God is faithful. And if I have those bones, it'll be a reminder how faithful God is. And the promise is he'll be our aid. And I don't know about you, but I need the Lord. I need Jesus. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. And that's a great place to say amen. I don't want to go about this myself. I don't have all the answers. God, I need your help. And so he grabs those bones and he brings it with him. Why? Because without that promise, we are lost. Without knowing, we're lost. And I believe that many believers struggle right now simply because they don't know God's promises. That you're left up to pop psychology. You're left up to things that just feel good. But you don't actually know his promises. And I absolutely love John 11, what Jesus shows us about his promises. This is the story of Lazarus. Absolutely love. It's it's great. It's so messed up in how Jesus does them. I mean, if you've ever read the story, Lazarus dies, and everybody's upset. And they're like, Jesus, Lazarus is sick. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll get to him. He takes four days. What kind of insurance is that? Four days and somebody's dying? And so Jesus finally shows up. And then he's like, you know, where is he? They're like, Lord, he is, he is in the grave, and he stinks. That's how long he's been there. My situation, Jesus, is so terrible that it stinks. Thanks for showing up. You're a little late. You could have been here before the situation died and it started to stink, but you wanted to take your sweet little time, Jesus, so do what you got to do. That's the kind of attitude that Martha had, and that's the kind of attitude you got to. Let you not get what you want when you want it. You halfway sucking your teeth because Jesus didn't show up when he was supposed to show up. And now you're dealing with something stinky. Anybody dealing with something stinky? You got some stinky situations out there? Oh, all y'all situations just perfect. Okay, fine, fine. I'll deal with the stinky stuff then. And so Martha is speaking from that first century Jewish understanding of life and death. And, and she says that I know that he will rise again in the resurrection in the last day. So she's like, I get it. He's in Jerusalem. He's buried with our ancestors. He'll be fine. And I know that my bones will be buried there too, and we'll all rejoice in the resurrection, Jesus. I get that. And Jesus says, let me address something for you. This is what you don't understand. The resurrection, you guys got mixed up. It's not an event. It's a person. And you need to understand, Martha, that I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me will live. Even though he dies, he will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me 
will never die. What he's addressing in this area is that when, when they talk about dying, they talk about being in a place of non-existence, that the person just disappears, right? But he said, that's not going to happen to those who believe in me. And then he poses a question that he's posing to us as well. Do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? And do you believe if you continue to press in, in learning him and loving him, if you die, you'll be reunited with him, that he'll give your body resurrection power? See, this is a central part of being a believer is understanding that this body here is not going to live forever. As you try to perfect it, as you pluck it and shave it and trim it and do all the things we do to these bodies to make it look good, it's going to fade. Here's a harsh reality. There are no hot 90-year-olds. All of this, the Bible says beauty fades. And what it does say is some fade quicker than others, right? But he's the resurrection and the life. But here's Jesus borrowed, buried in a borrowed tomb away from his family, not even buried in the best clothes, he goes into the grave and he defeats sin and death for us. Oh, I'm so glad that Jesus wasn't so hung up on everything that he says, you know what? I get it. You have uh, just a little bit, a thimble of understanding of what the resurrection is supposed to be, but understand that the resurrection is about me. Only I have the power to change your situation. Only I have the power to take things that are dead and make them come alive. Only I have that power. And that he tried to convey to Mary and Martha. The last thing that I want to talk about is the prepared presence. The Bible tells us that there was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of cloud by night. God used this to lead the Israelites through the wilderness, but he also was showing them something. See, the thing about the cloud by day and by night is that it didn't move all the time. That There are times it moved more than other times. And what God was doing is he was training the children of Israelites, when I move, you move just like that. <laughs> when I move, you move. Just like that. That there are times when God calls us to move, and there are times that he calls us to be still. That every day is not a moving day. The Bible even tells us to be still and know that I am God. There are times that God says, Selah, chill. There is something that you need to learn in this season before I can take you any further. And the challenge for us is to be in his presence, to understand the need. See, the presence of God is an absolute necessity for the believer. It is a non-negotiable. And that is even something that we believe here at Connect, that God's word and his presence, that is something that is a non-negotiable. It is one of our highest priority is understanding God's presence. 
book that I read, this incredible book by Brother Lawrence, is called Practicing the Presence of God. He says this, I cannot imagine how a religious person can live satisfied without the presence of God. God, don't we try to do that? Don't we try to fill our lives with stuff that we think that matters, but it only leaves us empty? We chase after so many different things, and then we come back to God beaten, bruised, and broken, and God says, I am enough, and my presence is enough. My presence is all you need, but you talk to the average nominal believer, and they can't even remember the last time they felt God's presence. Matter of fact, they're not even aware that it exists, that they believe it's just something that happens in the confine of these pages, but God's presence is real, and it's here. God's presence is amazing. We have become a people who have become comfortable with replacing God's presence with other things. But there is only one thing that can satisfy, and that's his presence. The most incredible way that God prepares us is by placing his presence, his spirit in us. I love what Nehemiah 9 and 19 says. He's reflecting on the children of Israel. You, because of your great compassion, did not forsake them in the wilderness. By day, the pillar of cloud never turned away from guiding them on their path. And by night, the pillar of fire illuminated the way they should go. You gave your good spirit to instruct them. Hear me. God gives us his spirit so that he can lead us directly to him. We think that the pillar of cloud by day and night were just to get them to Canaan, but God was teaching them something. Ultimately, I want to lead you to me. On that path, that same path, they appeared at Sinai, and God is on the mountain, thundering with his his presence. And there they get the Ten Commandments, and there they learn how to, to live and to thrive as a community. And this is because God so desires for his presence to be present in his people. And here's the thing. God spoke this to me, and I believe it's really for this service because he didn't remind me in the last service. So God's speaking it to you all right now is that God's presence is not a feeling. It's a feeling. Where we have gone wrong is that we want the goosebumps, but that's, that, that can be a part of his presence. But to really know his presence is when there is a fullness of joy that is abounding, that when your situation looks like it's dire, you can still smile instead of crying. That when the enemy has thought he has completely broken you, you can smile and say, you know what? I understand this thing. Uh, Every day it's going to be a sunny day. But I do know this, that in this life there will be trouble, but take heart because Christ Jesus has overcome the world. And so I'm believing that in this place today, that there are at least two types of people in here. Help me, Holy Spirit. Some people here who have never felt the presence of God. Yeah, you may have heard about it, 
And maybe you're new to this whole Christian walk. And maybe this is your first time that you've been in a church. And it may seem foreign to you, but there is a presence of Almighty God. And he desires to share that with his people. We got to be open to that. We got to have knowledge of it, but we've got to be open to it. And then I believe that there are people here, believers, that it's been a long time since you felt the presence of God. That life has a way of getting busy and, and we get so caught up in other things and then we look and we say, God, where are you? And he's saying, I never left. I've been here the whole time. But you were chasing other things and, I, and I'm not going to force myself on you. You want my presence, just spend some time with me. Make it a priority in your day to be able to experience God's presence. And I believe he wants to do that right here in this moment. If that is, if that touches any one of you, just surrender in this moment. Say, God, I'm tired of trying to make up my own path. God, I'm, I'm tired of failing in my own effort. God, I want what you want for me. And I have not ever felt your presence, but God, help me feel your presence today. God, I want to feel your presence today. I want to be filled with your presence today. And some of you may be saying, it's been so long. Christians should be praying right now. God, it's been so long since I felt your presence, God. I feel so dry and separated from you. God is saying, I'm going to pour out on you today my presence. There's going to be a deluge of presence in your life. Just be open to it. Seek it. Believe that I can do it. And if that's something that you can get behind, let's stand on your feet. God, we want your presence. God, we desire your presence, God. We don't want anything but you, God. It is a non-negotiable, God. We need your presence to lead us. God, we need your presence to guide us, God. God, we don't want to do it on our own, God. Fill us up, Lord. We don't want to leave the same, oh God. Pour it on us like we've never felt before, God. Open up our hearts and help us to be receptive to what you're trying to do today, God. We need your presence, God. We need your presence, God. We have to have your presence. God. We won't leave it till we have your presence, God. Shower us with your presence, God. We thank you, God. We love you, God. And we honor you. It's in Jesus' name we say amen and amen. Thanks again for listening. If you want to join us on Sunday, we meet at Wilson Central High School at either 9 or 11 o'clock a.m. I'll look forward to seeing you there.